0: People think. Most people
1: think. Hello and welcome to episode 31 of What Most People Think. How are you doing? Are you going a bit mad? Are you going mad yet? Or are you one of these people pretending to go mad? Because we were, weren't we? But now we are fucking going mad. I went for I went went out of the house earlier. For an hour on the dot, I swear to God, gov And um, I was in the park, and I saw on 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 three separate benches there were three separate blokes wearing running gear, just sitting there, just sitting there. One of them was smoking, and I think that that is <laughs> that is a sign that that, that things are starting to creak. Do you know what I mean? As we're realising that this thing might be lasting uh, a bit longer than we originally thought. And you know it is at the moment, right? You are you're arguing over the supermarket run. Do you remember that job that you never used to want to do? You and the missus, where well, you want to go and supermarket? No, yeah, you go up as the supermarket man. I'm watching the Sky Sports news. You know, so you better, no, Jeff, you go up. Okay, you sit there watching telly all day long. Now, literally elbowing each other out of the way to get to the door just to go and see some another human at the co-op. What have what have we become? But look, it, we will get outside. We will get the other side of this. Of course, we are. It's gonna get it's gonna get worse before it gets better. I'll I'll just keep parroting government lines. But if you are uh, new to this, this is uh, what most people think. It's a podcast which is coming from sort of centre-right, leave voting position. But for the duration of the coronavirus lockdown, I am suspending most of the hostilities in the culture war and trying to provide uh, just a bit of chat about what's going on, just to entertain you, you know, and, and, and maybe be a bit more upbeat than some other um comics up there i'm not necessarily you know going to be the kind of person that's going to slam the government always although they do seem, i saw a headline on on the telegraph about boris fucking up and i thought well yeah maybe he is fucking up a little bit at the moment but this is you know this is this is if this is a war it's going to last a while okay and i think we're going to get our shit together as a country and we're going to emerge from it stronger than ever before I, I, i i love a cliche I love a cliche. Uh, first up, with it's just be a short bit at the beginning this week because we've got a guest. We've got the brilliant Stephen Grant, who's a good mate of mine. Uh, he, a lot of you will know him in the comedy industry. He writes for people. He directs for people. He worked on one of my Radio 4 specials. Uh, he's a very good bloke, uh, and he's got an interesting story to tell and an interesting stance and everything that's going on at, at the moment. And speaking of radio, my latest Radio 4 comedy special, Jeff Norcott, hates being told what to do, is available on BBC Sounds now. So please do listen to that, share it, say nice things about it, Uh, because, you know, the more I might eventually get a series that maybe is on a bit earlier than 11pm, but probably on at 11pm, in fairness... Because I swear so fucking much. And and in that on that note, uh just a quick thank you. I don't really have many people to thank because I'm not actually having a life. But again, we, we're doing a swear count because I was getting a bit trigger happy with the swearing. And David Domain, my friend, who he's been doing a swear count and he he had the latest stats. And look, I may need to flatten the curve. Because it would appear I got it down to 11, 12 swears an episode. The last one was up in the 30s. And there was a lot of fucks and shits. There was a lot of fucks and shits, but thank you for that, David. I, I will. It does seem that more people want more swearing than don't. But I'm I'm trying to straddle the line here, and and so uh, I don't really have um, a fuck you this week. I don't really. I'm I'm gonna try and keep it positive I'm, I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna go for two thank yous all right thank you uh, david Demain. thank you to the few of you that are buying tickets for my tour which is uh, a lot of the dates have been rearranged now for the autumn i'll give you a little bit more details this uh, of that when we uh, when i sort of interrupt the chat between me and stephen but let's get straight into it we had a really good far-ranging chat with uh, stephen grant so let's go to that now pop-down, pop-down, pop-down. And we're making his debut on what most people think is Stephen Grant. Hello, Stephen.
0: Hello, Jeff.
1: This is about our fourth attempt to at this. We've had some uh, technology cluster fucks on the way in, but we're going to do it via a, a FaceTime audio call.
0: Yeah, the funny thing is, I consider podcasting the natural medium for elderly people with a small amount of Alzheimer's because we've said hello to each other four times <laughs> in a row now, and I've got to—it a, a, just feels like we're in a post office queue, mate.
1: What was that, dear? what was that
0: yeah Yeah, he's he's moved to Derby Derby he's moved to Derby well he was very old (laughs) (laughs) are Um, we going to know any old people in the future are they all going I don't know it's depressing isn't it
1: yeah, well, it you know, it depends. Some people uh well, let's not talk about inheritances for now. It seems insensitive. Yeah, let's do that. Let's not do that. But um so mate, you people will know you. Uh, certainly people in the Brighton area will know you. You are a polymath of comedy. You you write for people, you promote, you direct. You know, you're the resident compere, creator comedy. A lot of people are interested as to how comedians are surviving. But you must be doing all right. You diversified.
0: Well, I've diversified, but it seems like everything I diversified into relies on somewhere along the line a room full of people listening to someone talk and that seems to have died a miserable miserable death it doesn't it doesn't seem
1: to mate i mean there is literally no evidence of it (laughs) well
0: i do wonder if it is going to be the case that it'll go a bit more speakeasy and we're going to be in a 1920s style situation here we are exactly 100 years off with comedy happening in sort of underground illegal illicit places but I think there's two reasons why that won't happen. The first one is I don't think comedy for the best will in the world is quite as an addictive substance as alcohol. And secondly, um, I think people are genuinely scared of catching coronavirus and dying, which is a massive uh, dissuading force in the marketing attempts to try and get people out to listen to you. So, yeah, I think it's fair to say uh, live stand-up comedy is heavily paused
1: Heavily paused. So, so if you explain, like you know, to people listening, how the comedy circuit works and how quickly that impacts on people, uh, and and whether or not what the chancellor had, my boy Rishi, who just wh- whatever you're going to say, mate, just bear in mind, he is my new. He well, he's he's what Freddie Flintoff once was to me. So I don't want to prejudice how you talk about him, but just and you know, just go easy, just go easy. I
0: do wonder whether Rishi is brilliant or just a kind of very competent, decent human being surrounded by people who are not best placed for a global pandemic. Um, I, I think I feel for Theresa May because I think this would have been her absolute swan song. She's great at pulling a straight oh, yeah, it's Swan say, song. Well, hang on. Sus-
1: hang on. You think that she would have, she'd have died. That's what a swan no, song no, means. No,
0: no, no, I just think that in the same way as Churchill was remembered incredibly favourably because he was such an excellent prime minister for a war footing. But let's not forget, he was kicked out fairly quickly after the war ended because people wanted Churchill to fight a war. They didn't want him to rebuild the welfare state, and put society back on an even footing. And um, I think Theresa May would have been ideal for this. You know, the poor woman left just before what would have been her crowning glory, I believe. Well, there's and two, then, there's two say, things that... Songs, I think as soon as it's over, she would have gone. That's what I thought.
1: There's two things that jump out of there. One is, I, I think back to her coughing. I think back to her coughing at conference and thinking maybe she brought corona to the UK. Just a theory. <laughs> uh, and secondly... Secondly, is the you know, it is funny, we, there was a lot of people who weren't conservative with May that got to the point with Brexit of saying, you know what, I actually feel sorry for Theresa May. Boris Johnson has coronavirus and he is fighting a global pandemic, but I haven't seen anybody go, you know what, I actually feel sorry for Boris Johnson. It's not happening, is it?
0: I guess it's because Boris was quite gun ho in the run up to it with his approach to being around people, shaking hands, and all the rest of it. And much as actually he is deserving of a little bit of sympathy because coronavirus is a particularly nasty illness for a lot of people and so therefore it would be mean to not be kind about him. I think when people are quite gun ho about their own personal safety and they get ill, it's effectively like a live version um, you've been framed. You know? And, and, and we, the only people we're happy to see get ill are the ones who spend the time beforehand going, I'll be fine.
1: But there is... I mean, karma is... Because a lot of people said that with Boris karma. If you if you follow karma through to its logical conclusion, mm. then thinking it's karma that Boris gets coronavirus, I, I I'd see where that could go next. <laughs> I, well, I wouldn't. Yeah, I wouldn't not, mess I with karma. It. No, I mean, no, hey, it, mate. It's a comedy podcast. We, we we could we could wish any politician in the world dead. That's what comedy podcasts are. We take things to extremes. I'm just wondering okay, good, if good. there if there is a risk. Oh, on that note. Donald Trump has just been... I think he has... If you look at him as somebody who delivers a certain level of entertainment, I I think he's just... He's really come into his own in this, I think. I I saw today... I mentioned it in the last podcast, the way he'd managed to make it about him. And today, he was talking about how his Facebook numbers were doing. And I just thought, there is a part of uh, of Donald Trump that is essentially like a stand-up comedian. Like, we see tragedy and terror... And fucking catastrophe, and we just think, how could I spin something out of this?
0: Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I think I think uh, in the Trump world, it starts with him, and everything revolves around him. And you know, and that sounds like a really obvious thing to say, but ultimately, he's worried mostly that this is going to reflect really badly on his presidency. Uh, and and I think he's genuinely worried about people dying, but because. It will reflect really badly on his presidency. I think he wants everyone to be really successful and do well because it reflects really well on his presidency. There mm. is actually an argument that being massively egotistical is a huge motivating force to be a good premier well, because you want to be known to be good and you want to have a legacy. I mean, look at—I think Tony Blair's biggest issue was he wanted a legacy, you know, and he, he, he wanted to be a good guy, but he, he, he cared what people thought about him. Um And, you know, I think that's with Boris, you know, I think the reason why the the, the Boris bridge, the Boris airport, they're all things where he just goes, I want to have a legacy. He's now looking at a situation where he was the guy who was in charge when the global pandemic hit the UK. And he's trying to think, what's my legacy going to be?
1: Well, I think it's interesting that what you talk about is in a way you sort of talk about the the way that sort of ego narcissism, rampant individualism can benefit the team and it made me think of cricket as most things do I was thinking oh, that's the way that when you're a batsman in cricket that's exactly how it works someone like Kevin Peterson could go into bat with only himself in his heart and his mind like nothing else and and that could be the best thing for the team are you saying Stephen that Donald Trump is the Kevin Peterson of world cricket
0: Um, I think he's kind of more the Shane War I think but, uh, no, but that's just because
1: might... he's got shit hair and he's a bit fat but just, obviously, you, I've always looked up to you in terms of having your finances organised and stuff. You are one of these rare breeds of a comedian that actually understands how business works. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so, just pound for pound, Rishi Sunak's plans for the self-employed, because there'll be a lot of people listening here who are either self-employed or company directors and stuff. Do, what do you think? I mean, is, is, it, is it the best that they could do in a tough situation or is it, is it riddled with flaws?
0: OK, well, you know me, that both of us are, are, from, are from different ends of the political spectrum, but we're also both practical, rational people, which means that, you know, we've spent a, last, a large part of the last three or four years where I've been more annoyed with Jeremy Corbyn than you've been, um, you know, because I find it sort of like almost desperately frustrating and but that, But that's because you know,
1: you're, you're a disgusting Blairite warmonger and scumbag, so...
0: That, well, <laughs> yes, exactly, but the, the fact is it's, it's just so opened the doors for so many other people to call me that. Uh, it's been so much more exciting and interesting, you know, it, it only previously came from sort of Tory areas and now it comes from everyone, you know, it's really opened the doors to a much bigger social group, which I now have to distance from, obviously. <laughs> uh, but, but no, I mean, the thing about uh, the Rishi's approach, what he's doing for the self-employed and for the employed and for everybody, I think the first thing is we, from the social end of the political spectrum, we're quietly all a little bit impressed two levels. We're a bit impressed with him because he's got presence and secondly because we didn't expect it to be this good. And and actually, of course it's not good. What it is is just nowhere near as bad as we thought. Yeah. But we have you know, you know what it's like on the the media of doom, you know, the, the left leading media. You know, yeah. they will find the most dramatically tragic narrative and present it as a foregone conclusion. Yeah, you know, and I'm not saying it's lies. I would find I find much more dishonesty in still in the right wing press than I do in the left wing press. But I find a doom and fatalism in the left wing press that is also not representative. Uh, and so we have been force fed on this end of the political spectrum quite a lot of it's all going to terror. It's all going wrong. Nobody unemployed will get any benefit. All the disabled will be left out on the streets. There is no social care left in this country, and everybody's doomed. So yeah. when a situation comes along where a lot of people will be destitute because the economy is ground almost to a halt with anything other than essential services, then we, we are led to believe that we will be just basically left out on our limb. So when government comes in with any form of support, we are actually surprised, but we shouldn't be surprised. So because, of course, that is why government are there.
1: So what you're essentially endorsing here is sort of like a political strategy of treat and mean, keeping keen. <laughs> so I think
0: treat 'em mean, keep 'em keen is very popular amongst the populace. So throw, 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 throw that,
1: have got jobs. throw that bitch the odd breadcrumb is what you're saying, right? <laughs> but
0: we'll let the meat crate comes instead. Okay, <laughs> I know. I, I no. I don't know. I, I'm not specifically saying that, what I'm trying to say is is a lot of people who've been sort of annoyed and upset with what they believe to be, uh, you know, the, the running down of, of, of social services and, and healthcare and stuff like that, which there is evidence to show the fact that it has been on its knees because of the fact that there has been very little contingency and very little budget available for anything other than what is essential, which is why the NHS is really, you know, having to struggle like it has never done before in the current situation, is the fact that we are led to believe that it's because the government don't care but of course what this is doing is showing the fact that the government do care, it's just financial constraints are the underlining reason why well, it's, it, see, it's
1: interesting you say about government caring there because it kind of goes to something I was going to talk about a bit later but we can talk about it now Is that obviously there's these, there is this idea of what happens politically, what's the political spectrum going to look like post this because we're already in a new reality after Brexit anyway. And then we find ourselves in another one here. And there's two ways that it could go. Obviously, the the way that the government are seen to have handled this crisis. Because I think at the moment on Twitter, people are trying to write... They're basically trying to write a review of the film every three minutes, when actually they're going to have to let the film play, you know? And that's what I think the public will do. So there is this world where both the Tories could have been seen to have been bumbling and incompetent at the beginning the numbers for the UK might compare OK against other similar European countries. But then there's also this thing that would have happened, is that the Tories would have been seen to have uh, spread their largesse, or how, however you pronounce it, when it was needed. So, so it, it, the, the post-corona political spectrum is going to be very hard to navigate for the left, because some of the old things that they use... I mean, obviously, one of the things they'll say is that the state that the NHS were in as we went into this... But then equally, we'll look at the money that was spent during it, and maybe that cancels it out.
0: Well, maybe. I mean, I don't think many people on the, what I'd like to call the sort of the commercially aware side of the... The, the, the left, you know, the, if you like Blairite or whatever you want to call it, that sort of like kind of, yeah. if you like, sort of commercially viable, more rational, more sort of understanding of a free market society by trying to apply socialist values. I think those people are, you know, begrudgingly sort of accepting of the fact that you need to inject huge amounts of money into this kind of situation or the wheels of society grind to a halt. Um but, but I don't think that, um, you know, uh, I, I don't think it's easy when you have a gig economy like we currently do to apply that almost everybody gets an umbrella solution that the, that the socialists would like to our society because it just doesn't work like that. So, so there's going to be a lot of people in the in the uh, initial stages who are going, well, actually, this is far better than I thought without understanding that a free market economy without regular liquidity put into it fails. What most think of lockdown.
1: Okay, I hope you're enjoying the chat between me and Stephen there. Um, just to remind you that uh, the radio four thing is up, give that um, a listen. The podcast as well, uh, subscribe, rate, recommend. I, I, I've been honest about this because I can be a right wing comic. I'm trying to get it monetized, right? And if you have got a company or something, give give old Jeff a shout. We can do a little, we could do a little, you know, under the table deal. That sounds like I'm offering you a hand job. I might, I haven't seen you. Send a photo, right? And, and then of course my tour shows are pretty much all now rescheduled. They are all rescheduled for the autumn. So go to Live Nation, search Jeff Norcott, and obviously, if you can't make it, then you know you will be able to get a refund. Please, if you can possibly come to the new date. Uh, both myself and the venues, like everybody's taking a hit. Uh, if you can come to a New Date, that would be absolutely fantastic. And and of course, the other thing is, if you were coming to like London, Manchester, Bath, Shrewsbury, and a few of the others, and Exeter, you might suddenly find, oh, actually, I can come to the New Date. And this is me being optimistic again. I can't. I can't be a pessimist. I can't. I can't fucking do it, guys. Mate, we're talking about the the political side of things here. Obviously. You know, we're now into... Well, I can't even remember. Was it the second two and a half weeks? of the, or Was it only two weeks ago that Boris announced a, a genuine lockdown, although a lot of us had sort of voluntarily entered into it?
0: I Yeah, just over two weeks,
1: yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I said, I'm going to do, um, like I said in the intro of the podcast, that I saw a site which I think spoke volumes was... I, I went to the park and there was three separate benches and on all of them were sitting men in running kit, but they weren't running. They were... <laughs> They, one of them was smoking and just staring and yeah. I, I've got this kind of theory and it's a bit old-fashioned but that this is on balance tougher for men right I'm not saying that that, it, that women don't get driven fucking mad by staying indoors with the kids and the husband and stuff but I just think we're built a little bit differently and, and I wonder what you think about that about like whether it'll be men that will crack first
0: well, physiology says that we are different, uh, and actually, in the coronavirus epidemic, men are far more likely to get ill and die. See, uh,
1: this is man flu, and it's, and it's real. Isn't you it? heartless you it cow years, giving us shit over the years.
0: years of people being sarcastic and dismissive about man flu, and actual man flu has come along to show just how bad it could actually be. Um, yeah, you're right. I, I, the idea of, of people sat on park benches in a tracksuit smoking a fag is just beautiful because realistically they are breaking the rules um mm. they're also the reason probably why uh, the uh, the guy from sports direct what's his name the uh, the chairman of sports direct i've forgotten his name mike ashley yeah uh, declared that sportswear was essential items in a desperate <laughs> attempt to keep the shops open because he felt that people would be exercising. I think sports direct clothing is in the main, as someone who does do a lot of exercise, mostly worn by people who would like to nip out to the park for a fag. So, you know, he, he is catering to that generation. And maybe by closing it down, they're having avenues closed off to them. But, yeah, it's, it is tougher on men physiologically But I also think that because of a slightly more traditional scenario where a man works and a woman doesn't or a woman might be at home more often, um, men are used to going out to deal with problems. And they're just mostly going out and they can't go out. And, you know, this is a podcast, so I'm going to talk about stuff that we wouldn't talk if we were on the radio or maybe even get into trouble if we talked about on stage. But whenever somebody goes nuts... At home, usually when they live in the countryside, not at home, because they've got access to firearms, and shoots both kids, the dog, the horse, the wife, and then themselves.
1: So you're so middle class that you included a fucking horse there. This is typical.
0: It, uh, there was one where they did a horse, and they also set fire to everything, and then they shot themselves. It is always a man. It is, don't get me wrong, women are totally capable of murder, but it's targeted, it's directed. What do they call it? It's lasered. That's a 21st century word, isn't it? I
1: like it's, the I like the the kind of modern progressive you are that you're willing to credit that women could kill as though as though that that was a feminist concession. There. Don't get me wrong, ladies, you lot are fucking mental as well. I'm yeah, j- well,
0: of course we are because we're, you know I'm, I'm gonna I'm put it out there that, that women are totally capable of murder, um, but men are the ones who they say they just do it, it with
1: their the, eyes. <laughs> men,
0: are the, men are the ones who take the whole family with them.
1: Men yeah. are the ones
0: who, who, who go right. I want to die, so you get to all die as well. I think it's like the reverse psychology of providing, because yeah. there isn't a huge amount of okay. So we've all we're all animals, human beings, and we've all got innate sort of nature based reactions. And when a woman gets pregnant, as as you will know, and as I will know, the partner is pregnant, they have a whole load of instincts kick in, the instinct to nurture, the instinct to protect the instinct to feed, the instinct to educate, the instinct to love the instinct to kind of, to look after sleep or whatever, to not put themselves first and it's amazing, There's this kind of, this hidden program, it's a bit like that bit in you know, um, in, in the war games, where they've got that dusty old sort of computer pro- protocol that yeah. they put into the wall in the event of a nuclear break, you know, they basically dust off the program, they slot it in, they hit go and whatever happens, happens and men have so few of those natural urges the yeah. only ones we have are to provide and protect so basically a and roof over the way. I, I, I
1: think you're right and it is an awesome thing to behold and what happens is a lot of blokes find in the first few years of their child uh, being alive is that they tend to lose a lot of arguments but what, what's really happening is that the fact that there's this there's this woman there that you've known all your life and suddenly broadly speaking she seems to know what the fuck to do right and yeah. so you have little spats and little disagreements. But what happens is when push comes to shove, you sort of go, she knows how to keep this thing alive. I'll, I'll take the hit on this. What happens is eventually you lose 20 arguments on the bounce and she then thinks that she's like the fucking like arsenal invincibles in the, late, you know, the early <laughs> noughties. Like, so, so then you, you, have a, you have a power balance there that is affected by this. So at some point, I'd say that by the time your kid's maybe four... You do need to start just trying to win the odd argument, trying to just eke out a little midweek 2-1 away from home, extra time, own goal. Just, just, get one, just get on the board, because the longer the years go, the harder it is to turn the ship around. What
0: most people think. Well, look, I mean, the, the reason why women consider themselves better at child caring is because they've had a nine-month head start. Yeah, uh, you know, I mean, by the time the child comes out, you know that that person has already fed and housed them and effectively clothed them in themselves for nine months. So we're all go, "Oh, we've got ourselves a baby," and she's going, "No, I've got a baby. I've just finally decided to let you say hello."
1: Yeah, I, I, I just, I just saw its face. Um, I, I, <laughs> I like, I, I do like the, the the sort of angle of this that you're sort of, in, you know, like, like that gestation is just yet another sign of female privilege. <laughs>
0: It is. It is. It is a bit like she has. Uh, if we're going to go for the sports analogy again, she's had nine months in pre-season, and we've literally <laughs> been signed on the fir- the morning of the first game.
1: Yeah, but right. really, like a real, a real like crisis signing as well. You know, yeah, like, absolutely, like the yeah. last Proper thing, in, like you think, Heskey, the last thing in the uh, the transfer window, and then you just see Harry pulling out of the training ground, leaning out there. He's just bought. We're the equivalent of. Uh, Who's the, the big centre back that he always signs, or you know?
0: Oh, 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 oh it, um, it would be. Oh, I'm trying to think. Actually, who was the uh, the German guy who played for Chelsea and then went to Leicester and moved around a few other places as well? Um, yeah. well this uh, is Robert, now. Robert bec- Hoon, some of
1: that. Yeah. This has become more of a quiz than a joke, but I think. Yeah, you're good. right.
0: Okay, we won't do that. I, I mean, think we, we, we we're having listeners. jokes which we're used to doing, so we're not going to do that. But yeah, you're right. I mean, actually, uh, it is is very much the case that we are um, we are secondary in that situation but it's but like i said you know because we've got that that need to protect and provide when we don't do it we go the other way and we pull out the family shotgun and decide no one's going any further um i mean it it is odd isn't
1: it this does feel like like if you ever have a funny term mate i will be burning any record of this podcast because it feels like you know in the same way that louis ck was dropping little hints in his stand-up you've mentioned shotguns quite a few times now is everything okay
0: I think it's because a shotgun is something you can still get your hands on if you're rurally based. Yeah, ultimately is is a is a uh, is a deadly weapon. I, I I think you know realistically, if he's pulling a semi-automatic rifle, there's a good chance uh, that person had major violence issues in their history beforehand. Yeah. but yeah, it's yeah. I mean, anyway. You're right, I'm effectively making a rod for my own back, and if, if something goes, kicks off near me, and I haven't got a good enough alibi, this podcast might be sufficient. The good thing for you, mate, right. is
1: this is not, you know, it has a decent listenership, but if we're talking about witnesses, you're not, you know, you'll be fine, you'll be fine.
0: You know, but... But it's quite reassuring for those people who live around me and are responsible for me to know full well that there is an added incentive for me to now not do this. I think it's good. I
1: think teasing this out of you, I've actually done a good thing for you and your loved ones. Um, We spoke about about football there. We spoke about business and Mike Ashley. One of the things that does occur to me is that for capitalism to emerge from this and to still be sort of the dominant Western economic philosophy... It hasn't necessarily covered itself in glory at times during this. Obviously, you've had Mike Ashley, uh, Richard, read the room, Branson, um, ask, yeah. uh, you know, asking, <laughs> asking his staff to take a pay cut. But equally, on the other hand, I often think that big big businesses is, is it has big pockets, so it's sort of in a weird way also in a good place to do good things, right? McDonald's shut down before the government asked them for their staff, ostensibly. We've had enough other examples of business doing good things. So how do you see big business emerging from this?
0: Well, I, I'm, not, I'm not an utter cynic uh, to believe that businesses have no form of altruism within them. Yeah. Uh, and actually, um, the move by major engineering firms, both in the UK and the US, to attempt to try and find solutions you know for people to start be making masks and medical equipment um, I, I i think is honorable i also think it shows though that the the wheels of industry are much better greased than the wheels of government yes, and yeah, in yeah. many cases i'm seeing companies go off their own bat and say, we're going to decide to do this without government realistically driving them to do it. I mean, this is not, you say it's like a war footing and it's like a a war approach to coronavirus. But actually, the difference was in the past, government would drive it and then companies would go, what do you want us to do? Companies are being much quicker at doing it themselves because I think the government has become much slower and with much greater levels of abstraction that makes decision-making much slower, with the exception of places like China, which is an utter autocracy, and so therefore everything gets done exactly when they say it because they're they're effectively in charge. Whereas business is so much more geared to do this quicker. So I think businesses are coming out of this well because businesses are better at making these sort of wholesale decisions than government are, which of course isn't the way it should be, but I don't believe we have a particularly streamlined or clever government. And also... Brexit has not helped because brexit has meant that we are in a transition phase between having some of the devices of government shared with the the, the European mainland and some being taken over to us and we're in this sort of flux in the middle and suddenly we're, we're not involved in the process to procure new ventilators because somebody in one department mistook an email i mean these are the levels to which we're not getting it right as a government. I think business has come out of it quite well, but there is a technical side to me that says that any business that, like you say, doesn't read the room correctly, they're going to... This is a is a bad stick to carry, you know? Yeah, I yeah. Mean,
1: well, premiership yeah. footballers for one, mate. I mean, you've got premiership players. I mean, if you think about it, even if you go drop down to the lower ends of the championship, you've got players... I don't know what the weekly playing budget is for those kind of clubs. They're fucking massive, right? And and yeah. they're letting backroom staff go or putting them on 80% of their wages. It is just... I mean, like people might say, oh, "Well, Jeff, you're you know you're a Tory, you're about the business." I think that most of our usual political rules are suspended in a pandemic, and I think it would be odd if they if they weren't. And I just wonder again, you know, how like people's conduct within this time. I mean, there was already a growing disconnect in this country between the fans and football. The idea that these mm. these super rich people in their early twenties could, could, I mean, you saw like Gordon Taylor, the. Um, the the chief executive. Yeah, the PFA chief, right? He said, well, we want to see the the club's uh, accounts before we contemplate any kind of wage reduction. And you think, like, that does make sense in normal times. These aren't normal times. You know, gestures are important. Emotions are high. Fuck's sake, man. I mean, Raheem Sterling could probably open a hospital himself. Do you know what I mean? Like any player, yeah, well, any I mean, player I mean, in his bracket, right?
0: Lionel Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo almost have. That's yeah. the thing you see. The the absolute top players have been fairly generous. Uh, I noticed, but the, but but there is a huge number of people in the Premier League who are earning a large amount of money um, who aren't doing that. But Harry it's Kane could open a hospital.
1: Uh, Harry Kane. I reckon it should just go around like the the richest players, and they should have to open a hospital a week. Can you imagine that? Because they could do it. They've all got the money to build a hospital. Yeah. We can name it after them. Call it the the Harry Kane Memorial Hospital. Because what a great feeling! Just just to fucking open a hospital. Like that's it. I don't have to be a good person ever again for the rest of my fucking life. You see that hospital mm. over there? Are you, have you ever been to A and E here? That's my A and E. Yeah. Just so you know, yeah. I'm gonna be am I'm gonna be an absolute prick for the rest of my life. Because yeah. I, I open a hospital. You know, and they could get away with some of the shit that footballers don't normally. Don't normally get away. They could say Harry Kane, who opened a hospital, cheated on his wife. But we don't care, because he opened a hospital. So, Stephen, like, you are, at the moment, I in terms of your business, so for clarity, and if the tax man's listening, I'm definitely not paying you for this. because No. Because this process has put you in a weird position. Can you just explain that for us?
0: Well, it's so, like a lot of people out there who are effectively uh, comfortable where they are responsible for the vast majority of what happens. You could be a decorator, you could be an illustrator, you could be a marketing consultant. Uh, I'm a single source sort of company and so there I'm a company director uh, and I pay myself salary and I take dividends, which is a totally legal thing to do. It's not actually that... Cost-effective compared to being a um, uh, compared to being a sole trader. The reason why I have to be a limited company is, is partly because I have sort of agreements and arrangements and contracts that exist between me and other companies. So a company only company can sign that uh, yeah. and liabilities that only the company can have, rather than I can have personally. And also, I've got an employee as well, uh, which is a lot harder to have if you are just a sole trader. So I, I set myself up in a way you know, that I'm sure many, many uh, burgeoning sort of capitalists would consider to be entirely healthy and, and, and welcome in the gig economy, um, but it, regrettably have fallen through the many uh, nets that Rishi has erected for the uh, working uh, folk of the UK. And so, therefore, um, the, the, the vast majority of my income uh, isn't covered.
1: And the bottom line is you've, you've had to let yourself go. I've had to let myself go. I've had to furlough tough myself. Tough break, mate. Tough break. Yeah,
0: it, it, was, it was a tough break. There was a good two or three days in which I was going back and forth with my accountant and various legal people, and even you know MPs, trying to work out what the legality of this was because the only option available to me as the director of my company was to sack myself. Now, I was told that it was a legal process I had to follow to furlough myself, and the first thing I had to do was instruct myself that I was letting myself go. Uh, and if people are thinking that does sound deliberately convoluted, in order to be funny, I didn't want to do this. I can't stand admin and paperwork, but I literally had to write myself a letter to say that due to the coronavirus outbreak, regrettably, uh, I was being furloughed from my position.
1: But that's um, the point, mate. You know, you're 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 a white man of a certain age. You're you're the first to go. You're expensive. You know, yeah. You're kind of yeah. you're a bit you're a bit long in the tooth, mate. I mean, as much as I empathise with you, I. <laughs> Um, much I empathise you, I also fully agree with you as a boss that you did the right thing, but sorry to hear that, Stephen, but well done, Stephen.
0: It's a, it, I'm trying to stay true to my socialist roots and show that it's quite often the upper levels of management that are disposable rather than the workers. Uh, <laughs> don't, to be fair, I was all of those things. Um, but I've removed myself from my own company. I've been reliably informed that the duties I have to dispose as a company director to do paperwork etc etc all those sort of things I can continue to do but nothing that will earn money and the irony of it is of course if I'm wrong and it turns out that even sending back a letter saying I no longer work at my own company is effectively work then the worst thing they can do is take away the salary that I was paying myself that I was expecting to get back and not reimburse me for it, so the worst case scenario is <laughs> the worst case scenario is is that i 've told myself i 've been let go, and then the government tells me that i 've acted illegally and I have to reinstate myself
1: well you know I, I think I appreciate you telling that story in good humor because it is i suppose in a way it's a humorous but sad, but also it 's an example of just a fucking weird situation that we're in and i really thank you for sharing that mate and like i would say you know if give Stephen a follow on twitter or, or facebook but don't give him any money don't give don't no, no,
0: not, no 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 literally literally if you give me any money it will be counterproductive uh if you see a paypal don't eBay buy
1: any of within, cds no, exactly. dvds
0: nothing nothing I've, I've i've literally actually i have turned off the facility to buy DVDs on my website because I've had to accept it is not an essential service.
1: So you're going uh, to be you're going to be hibernating like a comedic bear, but you will you will return you will return, and that'll be a great day when you call yourself back in and.
0: I, I love your optimism, Jeff, because this implies that the uh, the comedy circuit and the live shows that we all have known and loved and has become our life for a large chunk, if not the majority of our adult lives, will return. I believe it will return. I don't think it will ever return like it was, but I don't think very much in this society will return how it was. Uh, I I think we all now know what PPE stands for. Um, And um, shaking hands uh, may well be considered reckless uh, behaviour.
1: Clapping your own hands. I think we may have all, as comics, got a last applause break because ultimately you clap one hand potential transference to another we might end up with those weird jazz hands that all the snowflakes were talking about in the first place listen steven it's been brilliant to have you on the podcast uh do do him give him a follow for when he unfurlows himself and uh, i'll see you about very soon mate Okay, thank you very much to Stephen there. That was a very funny chat, and I, I hope you didn't think I was being mean to him about his situation with his company. But he told me over the phone before, and I just thought he's just he's, Stephen is fantastic about making light. But he made it; he just made a brilliant hour of comedy uh, about it. So do, do stay in touch with Stephen for when he comes out of comedic um, hibernation. We just got a few letters this week, uh, um, and by the way, yeah, call to action. Email me letters. I love, I love dealing with your dilemmas, your political points, anything you want to talk about. And that is what most people think uk at gmail.com. Um, the first one is from, well, he, he told me his name, but I'm going to do him a favour here and keep this anonymous. And you'll understand why. Is basically, he was bought uh, tour tickets by somebody else uh, to come and see me in April. Since then, his missus has also got into my comedy. Why wouldn't she? And he's thinking about re-gifting the tour tickets that he got bought to her. It's one of the most creative bits of re-gifting I think I've ever heard about. And I would, you know, at these times, I think it really is important more than ever to act in a moral and conscientious way in relation to each other. But I just think that that is so smart that I'm going to say, just just fucking do it. Just just be careful. Just be careful, okay? Um, And, you know... Come and enjoy the show together. Just don't drink when you, when you come to the show. Because blokes often, if they think they've done something particularly smart, we can't stop telling. can't help ourselves from telling our missus. You know, we think that if they're as drunk as us, they'll be on the same wavelength. And they won't. I had a very nice, long uh, email from a guy called Neil Williams. Uh, thanks, that, Neil. I enjoyed reading all of that. But he made a point... The, the Radio Four announcer, when announcing my comedy special, which is available on BBC Sounds, introduced me as George Norcott, and a few people pointed this out. And what what can I say? You you've got to understand, this wasn't probably a mistake with Radio Four because, you know, they they have a certain vibe. And Je- Jeff Norcott, Jeff might sound a bit rough to them. Jeff might sound like some sort of scouter who owns a scaffolding firm. You know, hey Jeff. Coming up now on Radio 4, is Jeff Norcott. So they just, maybe they said George Norcott, just to make me sound more like the kind of writer, you know, the kind, <laughs> the kind of, kind of beater male that they prefer on Radio 4. Coming up now with his whimsical observations is Jeff Norcott. And don't say you weren't one. Um, that's a good title for a show, isn't it? Don't say you weren't warned. <laughs> but yeah, look, I, uh, look, someone's going to get fired. Basically somebody's going to get fired, but thanks to all of you who pointed that out. What most people think. Speaking of middle-class people, I had, uh, uh, an email from a guy called David who lives in a big house and he's got a pantry. Now that is next level posh. I haven't heard it called that ever. Like not specific. I've read it in books. I haven't, no one's ever said to me, Jeff, I'll put that in the pantry. Right, it just. But he says he's got a pantry now. He said he was fully stocked going into the uh, coronavirus crisis. Should he just? He wants to be a good person. Um, Should he just eat it all now? Should he just eat his way down and let you know the supermarkets restock? Well, the first thing I'd say is the supermarkets have kind of restocked now. I think what you've got to really do, David, is I think you've got to look at what you've got in that pantry and just be honest and go, Am I ever eating this shit? Okay, pilchards. No, I'm not eating. I'm not eating pilchards. I've seen some more products in the supermarket, man. I know I mentioned in the previous episode that that we're sort of finding out which products are liked by the nation. And I gotta say, peas pudding, not round my way, no thank you. What well, we're not we're not I'm north peas pudding. All the canned pulses, vegetables, beans, they're all gone. There it is fucking peas pudding, not going anywhere. And also you think about all the fuss there was about caffeine right i'm uh, sorry about paracetamol we all wanted the paracetamol we would go mad for the paracetamol and then but every, the whole time i've looked if you want paracetamol of caffeine it's there no but nobody wants the paracetamol uh with caffeine so maybe i'd you know have, have a little party have, have a party david of all the worst things that you've ever bought to eat have pilchards on potato waffles i'm not saying potato waffles are bad but they just they rarely get eaten you know, have that really sickly sweet chocolate liqueur that you have bought and then grind some paracetamol with caffeine and just do a massive line of that. <laughs> okay, that is very much the end of the show uh, for this week. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you again to my guest, Stephen Grant. Uh, I am going to keep these coming weekly. I'm enjoying doing it. And as ever, at the end of the show, I will always read out a uh, any of the recent reviews it's a bit of a it's a bit dangerous this really because I, I haven't checked this week so I don't know if there are any there's always there's a chance that this could be massively embarrassing but we'll just see if there's any five star review five star if possible please you guys by doing those you've helped me become a five star rated show which helps me pick up why Why am I doing all that five star rated show which helps me pick up viewers listeners fuck it um okay so what have we got here is we got one for the 1st of April. This is Any Accents. All right, Any Accents. I'm gonna try and do Northern Irish. Here we go. I enjoy Jeff's sensible, no bullshit approach to podcasting. Ah, that went bad quick, didn't it? And not being drawn into the normal discourse of the left can do no wrong. He's also entertaining when doing his myriad of accents. Aussie is very good. Arnie, not so much, wee fella. Okay. Uh, here's from. Thanks for that. Any accents or pop five hundred as it seems you're called. Uh, this one's from Mikey John. Um, and he's titled his review. It's not hard, is it? And Mikey says, "I'm like, Mikey. Mikey John sounds like a Cockney to me. Combat, combating liberal wokeness by talking common sense. It's not hard, is it? I managed to see you in Stourport of all places before this COVID nineteen nonsense hit us. It was a bizarre setup in terms of a venue. It really was." and Stalport, eh, strange place. You know what I mean? I'm just saying, the gene pool, not wildly diverse. But I found the show hilarious and will likely book Sh- uh, Shrewsbury in September if this is blown over. Well, I'll say one thing. Anyone thinking they come the to tour shows in the autumn, I'm gonna have to do a lot of rewriting. You are not gonna be seeing the same show, okay? I'm definitely, I'm gonna be about 20 meters away from you, from one. Uh, this is from March. But uh, there's somebody called March, I think it's Ipswich Town, FC. I'm going to make you I've you sound like you're from Norwich, just to piss you off. Jeff always provides an interesting and easily digestible take on current affairs, which is especially welcome amongst the current gloom and gloom. I voted Remain, in the referendum, remember that? And I think that everybody should actively listen to people with opposing views on the world and get out of their echo chambers. Some of the previous ep- episodes exploring libertarianism are particularly interesting. Keep up the good work. Well, check out the radio show because a lot of that is about libertarianism, although not all of it makes total sense in the COVID era. And this last one is from Carolyn, a lady. By the way, ladies, more, more emails, please. I, I don't mind a sausage fest. Who who doesn't like sausages? But it'd be nice to have some have some melons in with the... in with the. Sorry. Okay, this is from Carolyn. I'm, I'm going to make out Carolyn's a real gal. right, thank you for the lockdown episode. I was feeling like really down because of the situation and you made me laugh out loud, so loud. It's really raised my spirits and calmed me down. So thank you very much. Feeling so much better. Women just have naturally more lyricism in their voices. It goes up, it goes down, it goes across. Sometimes they just sing things for no reason, don't they? They go, hello, does it sound like I'm going a bit mad now? Anyway, listen, thank you very much for listening. Join us next week for another episode of What Most People Think most people, lockdown, 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 lockdown,